everyone. I'm really excited to let you know about the science and spirituality salons I'm now hosting. During these intimate events, a scientifically verified psychic medium will give all of you readings, and I will give a talk on the science and evidence that changed my mind about an afterlife. This will also be an amazing opportunity to get to meet some of you in person or virtually and to share more about all the science and data that transformed my worldview and got me through my worst days. These can be hosted in your home, in a nearby cafe with a private room, or they can even be virtual. I've hosted a few already and they were really special, fascinating, emotional, evidential. So if you're interested in getting a small group together over dinner, brunch, drinks, coffee, to learn more about the science and to get evidential medium readings, send me an email at hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put science and spirituality in the title. Hi, I need to give a heads up that this episode contains mentions of suicide, mental illness, and drug use. Although we don't go that much into depth on any of those topics they are touched upon. So listen with care. Welcome to What the Fuck Just Happened. I'm your host, Liz Enton. If you listen to the intro, you know my story. If not, here's a brief summary. I'm a sciencey skeptic. And when my dad died, I took a shot in the dark and decided to investigate if there was any possible evidence of an afterlife. I assumed that was as realistic as Santa Claus, but I was desperate. However, I was so blown away by what I discovered that I wrote a book and launched this podcast. In this podcast, I will be talking to some fairly normal people about some really weird shit. I speak with everyone from psychic mediums and afterlife researchers to ordinary people who've had some inexplicable experiences. So come, listen, there's no need to draw any final conclusions. Keep an open mind and wonder, what the fuck just happened? everyone. Today, I'm here with Emery Oliver of Air It Out. And so, Emery, tell our guests about yourself. Hey, thanks for having me on. Uh, so, I am a psychic medium slash healer who has a podcast where I have people come on and work through their, their struggles, their wounds, whatever is blocking them in life. And I typically do a mediumship reading attached to it. I'll 100% gratis because it's not really my thing to charge for that kind of um, experience. But yeah, that's pretty much what it is. I'm also, to give a little bit of background just so that, uh, you know, listeners and also you understand where I'm coming from on this. I came from a STEM field. I was never religious whatsoever. I really didn't like spirituality because my mom was pretty woo-woo and was a very damaging human being. So I just immediately lumped both of those things together and said, no, thank you. My husband is an atheist, 
And I have had weird things happen to me my entire life, but always just kind of like brushed them off as, wow, that was really weird. And then just went on with my life. Um, But I had a spiritual awakening uh, in 2020 and it rocked my world. And it actually rocked my world to the point where it was terrifying. And I was starting to worry that I was schizophrenic. So when I say I'm a psychic medium, I, I really hope everyone hears that as I have these weird abilities that developed later on in life that I am now learning to accept have a label on them. And so I'm sure all of you hearing that intro can understand why she is on this podcast as <laughs> a fellow skeptic and into STEM and atheism and all the stuff that I've kind of always thought too exploring all of this um although yeah i'm still an atheist as all of you know now can you tell everyone so what happened in your awakening so i had a lot of grief and loss and i had just completely fallen out of love with life and i remember driving um off into the woods to do something that i really never would have ever thought i would have gotten to that point and I remember just like yelling at whatever it was that was in control of this this universe of like, why the hell am I here? What did you do? Why am I just suffering? This makes no sense. And so my husband taught me down from a ledge and I came back home and I decided, all right, I really got to figure out like why I'm here. And if that means I go on a spirit journey, then so be it. So um, I started meditating. My uncle's a rabbi. and um, he it, he's a very open-minded rabbi though. <laughs> so he basically said to me, Hey, I, I really think that you would benefit from meditation. And I was like, meditation, meditation, like that's so stupid. You're just going to sit in silence. Like, what does that even do really? Because again, I was so viscerally averse to all of this. And so he said, just try it out. And so I was like, all right, fine. I will. And cause at that point I was like, I was ready to kill myself. Like, you know, I, at the very least I could do meditation. So I sat down and I started meditating. And in my first meditation, I saw a lot of dark, weird stuff. And then I started hearing voices. And so me being someone who wasn't into any of this immediately went to, oh, my gosh, I'm having a psychotic break. Obviously, I was so depressed that I almost killed myself. So like this totally is somehow some trauma induced schizophrenia. And I was ready to check myself into an institution to deal with it. Um, because I was hearing voices like all the time. None of them told me to do anything, um, you know, other than <laughs> one of them would tell me to go meditate. <laughs> so, But I thought I was crazy. I, I really legitimately thought I had hit the scary part of mental illness to where my reality was shifting in and out of being actual reality versus delusion. So I was getting ready to check myself into an institution and my husband kind of stepped in and said, Emery, you're not crazy. Like you've had weird stuff happen the entire time we've been together. I talked to my uncle about it and he said, no, you're not crazy. You're clairaudient. And I said, well, what is clairaudient? And so <laughs> he explained to me what clairaudience was. And I started realizing, oh my gosh, I, I think I actually am like tuned into another radio station because that's kind of how I see this, right? Is like, we're all tuned to 99.1 collectively as the people on earth right now. I think that people who have medium or psychic abilities are able to pick up frequencies on kind of either side of that, that radio station. So my entire life when I went to bed and was hearing what sounded like people around me talking and they were talking about like really 
banal things like I got to go pick up Joey from soccer or, you know, she shouldn't have done that or (laughs) those kind of things. They weren't these like profound or scary type experiences, but I I heard them my entire life and I just brushed them off as hypnagogic hallucinations because that's a real thing. And so all of a sudden, though, these started happening not when I was in that hypnagogic sleep state, but they were happening because I started meditating. And so I was actually putting myself into that state on a just an ongoing basis. This is the first time you've started to consider these voices were beyond hallucinatory. And so do you think they are deceased loved ones of people or are they hearing picking up psychic thoughts of living people? What do you think they are now? So I'm not telepathic. I I know that because if I was, um, I, I would have some pretty massive evidence at this point of that. I'm picking up uh, beings in other realms, and that includes past loved ones. It includes any spirits that are in these other realms. Um, And I've had some pretty compelling evidence because, again, when I thought I was going crazy, I did what I was comfortable with, which was I started doing experiments (laughs) to prove my sanity, right, or to prove that I was insane and I needed to go get help. So um, I would ask these voices questions about other people that I didn't know the answers to. So like um, case in point, one of my friends came over and I said, ask me a question about your elementary school because I I had only met her like within the last year or two. And so she asked me a whole bunch of questions related to her elementary school time. And these voices gave correct answers to all of her questions. (laughs) Now, I know that I don't know those things. My husband knows that I don't know those things. Everyone who was watching was like, what the hell is happening right now? How do you know that? And I'm like, it's not me. Like, I'm really just a spiritual telephone, essentially. I just hear what they say and then it comes out my mouth. I'm, I, it's, we're really just like vessels for it to come through. So you hear these voices very clearly. Yeah. And I only recently did I realize that my clear audience actually functions in a very different way than most, which is I hear people in full sentences and their voices. And when you're giving medium readings, do you hear people specific? deceased loved ones could you tune in to say someone's dad or grandma and specifically say I am talking to this person and you'll get their name you'll you can ask them anything and they would say it as clear as you hear me so it's not necessarily as clear as I hear you it's the best way I can put this and I know this sounds really bizarre to anyone who's trying to understand this because I just am aware of what I sound like but It's almost like my head is this giant expansive space and somewhere way off in the distance, someone's talking to me. So it's still very muted. But yeah, I can hear them um, in full sentences. The only thing that I tend to struggle with is names. And it's it's weird because sometimes I'm spot on on the names and other times it's like uh, their name will be Joe and I'll get Ted or it'll be um, Eddie and I'll hear Edie. (laughs) So names are kind of difficult because once spirits pass into that next um realm of reality I'm, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without going super woo woo but essentially we have many lifetimes or iterations of this and so a lot of those names are attached to that spirit too and so for me names are are a little difficult but I can tell you what they look like a lot of times they'll give me feelings about how they died so I'll be able to tell people how they died they give me these very specific memories of of their family members so a lot of times when I'm giving a mediumship reading I'll just start telling people what they're showing me and people will be like, oh my God, that's how we met. Or, oh yeah, that was the last time I saw him or things like that. 
Um, so I'm I picked up all of these other things kind of along the the journey of of really of healing myself because that's really what kicked off all of these things. But my clear audience is definitely my strongest. And um, I didn't realize that it wasn't normal for mediums to to not hear spirits the way I do. I thought everybody did. A lot say it's more like playing charades than talking at the telephone. Sometimes. So it also kind of depends on the spirit and how they communicate. And a lot of people who listen to the podcast think this is really funny. But a lot of times I'll stop in the middle of the reading and tell the spirit, can you just speak to me? And the funniest thing is, is that a lot of the the spirits will be like shocked and they'll be like, wait, you can hear me in full sentences. So like it, it's it is unusual. You know, a lot of people, they'll hear like a word here or there or um, a lot of times spirit will speak in at least from the conversations I've had with other mediums, spirit will speak in very symbolic terms. And I do find that some spirits are more prone to speaking in symbolism, but because I tend to be very literal because of the way my brain works, I I ask them specifically, like, please don't show me a whole bunch of symbolic images. Like I don't want to have to, I don't want to have to waste the time I have here trying to like dissect what you're saying. So sometimes the charades thing happens. So like case in point, in one of my readings in the uh, the very beginning of the podcast, um, I had a friend on who, whose deceased husband came to talk and he was showing me a carrot, like an actual carrot. And I thought, why are you showing me a carrot? And then as I asked him, like, why are you showing me a carrot? I just need you to explain it. He showed it to me as like a fluffy toy. And then I realized it was a cat toy. So sometimes it's things like that where if you prod it more, it doesn't have to be so charade because they'll just explain it. But it takes so much energy to communicate between the two that I think a lot of spirits go for like what's lowest energy. But unfortunately, that actually is like a self-defeating prophecy, at least for me, because I'm not going to invest the energy in trying to figure out what they're saying. I'd rather them just tell me. <laughs> Gave an example of evidence about U.S. spirits were discarnates around your friend about her elementary school and they were accurate do you have any other mind-blowing what the fuck things that happened during a reading that was highly verified yeah so i i have a i have a few of them actually i've had a lot of what the fuck moments especially coming from someone who was a skeptic right of just like my mind exploded and i was all how is that possible so my favorite one though and this happened recently this happened this fall i went on a drive to go check out the aspen trees because i live in colorado and it's like the most beautiful time of the year here and i ended up um a lot of different things led to me being in this one spot so I'll, I'll i'll spare you guys the details but essentially like a whole bunch of things had to align for me to end up on the road that i was on looking at Mount Albert going, oh man, there's a, there's a reservoir back there. According to the maps, I'm going to go, I'm going to follow Google maps and I'm going to go to this reservoir. I live in the middle of nowhere and my Google maps has never messed up ever. Like I have them downloaded and I've never been sent to a weird place in the middle of nowhere. For some reason, my GPS glitched out and I ended up in front of this woman's house in the middle of nowhere, her cabin. Right. And I was like, please don't shoot me because, <laughs> because I was in the middle of nowhere and I'm a stranger. And I had my window down for some reason, which I never do when I'm on dirt roads. But for some reason, I did this time. And she had just gotten home from work and was getting out of her truck. And she said, you know, hey, can I help you? And I explained where I wanted to go. And so she said, all right, I'll take you down this road. Well, the road was a nightmare to get through. And I was in a sedan. She was in a four wheel drive. And so when we got to the end of it, she was mortified. She was like, I'm so sorry I led you down that that track. So 
she gets out and she's talking to me and all of a sudden I see her dead husband like standing next to her and I'm like, oh no, 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 no. Like, cause I hate that. I- I'm going to be real candid with you. There is nothing that makes me more uncomfortable than when a spirit shows up and says, I want to talk to my, you know, my loved one or whatever. And I'm like, how do I bring this up to them? Like, I'm fully aware of how batshit crazy this sounds. So <laughs> I tell her, I tell her, like, you know, it's okay. Don't worry about it. And then she said, yeah, I lived here. My husband um, fixed up the house. He died two years ago. And I thought, all right, she just brought it up, so I'm going to say something. So I told her, hey, I I know this is weird, but I'm a psychic medium, and your husband's actually standing right next to you. And she said, oh, do you want me to pay for a reading? I said, no, no, I don't do that. No, like, this is not a business for me. This is just something I do to help people. So she went, okay, like, what does he need to say? And so we had this nice conversation. I gave her very specific details right down to he showed me this medal um, that had a cross on it. And I said, he's showing me a medal, like a war medal that has a cross on it. And he's telling me to tell you that was him. And she started sobbing and she was like, oh my God, the day that we buried my husband, we found my dad's war medal that has a cross on it, like in my driveway in the dirt. And I just knew that that was my, my husband sending me a sign. I mean, that was like such a specific detail. And so that was already really weird. But then her phone started ringing and her husband got very stern with me. And he was like, she needs to pick up the phone. She needs to pick up the phone. And I was like, calm down, dude. He was like, no, she needs to pick up the phone. So I told her and she goes, it's just my friend Kimball. And I said, okay, well, he's really wanting you to pick up the phone. I don't know what to tell you. He all of a sudden has completely changed his, his demeanor. So she picks up and she gets off and she's like, you know, he sounds really, he sounded drunk. And so her husband during this time that he, she's like talking to this guy is telling me he, she needs to go pick him up. She needs to go pick him up. She needs to bring him back to her house. She needs to go pick him up. She needs to go to him right now. And I was like, dude, all right. <laughs> like, I'll tell her all of this, but I'm not going to force your wife to go do something she doesn't want to do. And, and, you know, admittedly, like she just got in touch with her husband for the first time in two years she didn't care about anything with her friend like in the moment (laughs) not because she was cold-hearted but just because it's it's a magical experience the first time that you actually experienced something like that and so I told her what he said and I said I just need you to promise me that when I leave you will call him and keep calling him until he picks up and if he doesn't call or he, he doesn't call you back or pick up go get him or call the cops because I feel like something bad's gonna happen because he was so intense behind this So she said, okay. So I drove back to my hotel, which was like an hour away from uh, where I had met her. And I get there and I'm talking to my husband about how I randomly came across this woman and I had to do a mediumship reading for her. And he he was still a little bit like, I just can't fathom that this stuff is real. So that's kind of important of this. It's, It's part of the reason I took a drive. So she calls me and she leaves this voicemail. And as I'm talking to him, I see the voicemail pop up from her because I had given her my phone number so we could stay connected. And she says in this voicemail, you're not going to believe this. Like somehow you knew that this was happening, but Kimball had a stroke and is on his way to the hospital. I don't know how you picked up on that. That's amazing. But he had a stroke and he's on his way to the hospital. So the other very strange thing that happened during all of this was two days leading up to this encounter with this woman. I had been seeing moose everywhere, both physically, like I saw moose on the side of the road, which where we live is sometimes happens, but not very often. And it was a male and a female in the same spot. So that's the first time that's ever happened to me. But everything had the word moose on it or a symbol of a moose on it. And I thought, (laughs) why are you guys blasting me with images of moose? Like, what is this? And so as I was driving back to my my hotel room after seeing her, I drove past these random condominiums in the middle of nowhere called Moose Haven. 
and I got a pit in my stomach driving past them. And so when I called her back and I said, oh my gosh, is your friend okay? And she said, yeah, he's going to be okay. But he was like unconscious on the floor basically when they found him. I asked her, I said, no, this is really strange, but does he happen to live in Moosehaven condominiums? And she was like, how the hell did you know that? And I was like, well, because I got a horrible feeling in my stomach and because I've been seeing moose related everything for the last two days. So I actually, to share with you, I actually do have this voicemail from her still. And uh, she gave me permission to share it with you. So if you're wanting evidence. Yeah, let's, if you don't mind, I'd love you to play it on the podcast. Yeah, I'd love to hear it. She's, she's fine with it. It was so mind blowing for her that she was like, anything you want to do, you know, so So that was a really mind-blowing one that happened recently. But some of the other mind-blowing kind of experiments that I did was during meditation, I went in and talked to these spirits that talked to me. And I had asked for news articles that were going to be showing up in the news over the next, like, two days. Like, I was asking for news headlines, right? Because I was like, I know I can't predict the future. I I don't – I want specific news headlines. I don't just want, like, at the time Trump was president. So I I don't want, like, you know, Trump – Trump is a horrible president because, like, that's up there every fucking day. Like, (laughs) I don't want that. I I want something specific. And that's not very psychic. I think most of us can figure out he's a shithead. (laughs) Right. So I didn't want stuff like that. I wanted very specific stuff. And so I got these headlines and I wrote them down and I sent them to a friend of mine via messenger so that it had a timestamp on it. And then two days later, I went and Googled every single one of them. And while I had a little bit of overlay on them, like one of them was I had uh, all I saw was Lady Gaga X, like EX. And so I was like, expects, exists. Like, I don't know what the the last part of that was. And it was about Lady Gaga and her ex-boyfriend. And it was like literally posted that day. The other one that was very specific was I saw the word Blackwater. And that's, again, a very specific thing. And so when it came up, it was an article that had been posted that day about Blackwater up in Canada, which is an oil, an oil refinery company. So it was a lot of like very specific things like that. There was also like dance teacher dies. It was, it was like very specific ones. And they all happened. They all happened within two days of me asking, what are the next two days headlines? So at that point, that was when I was like, all right, there's so much proof attached to this that I can't deny this logically anymore because how would I know those things? So believe it or not, I actually didn't know I was a medium until like many months after that. But you knew you were connecting to discarnate deceased people. You just never thought of the word medium. No. So at the time I was connecting to other types of spirits. Right. So um, and I know that this is again, this goes a little bit into woo woo territory. So I'm, I'm going to try and <laughs> delicately dance around this. But I I can speak to spirits who have long since been dead. They, they don't just have to be people's relatives and people who have passed in a little whatever. There are also other energies that exist in those realms that are not, for lack of a better term, humanoid. Like we wouldn't attach them to specific lives. They're just sentient energy. That could make sense scientifically. I yeah, it's just it's just sentient energy. That's that's literally all that it is. Like I I don't want to attach a label to it because then it goes into super woo woo. But <laughs> but for me, it's just sentient energy, right? So so that's who I had been communicating with mostly. And so when I didn't realize though until I was hanging out with um, some friends at the time and they had a guest over, and they were sharing like, oh man, we've seen her do all this crazy stuff, like talk about your experiences. This is all real. We've seen all these like crazy things that she's done. 
And he started talking to me about his aunt who had passed away and how he had all of this regret around not being there for her. And I, I don't know how this even happened. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't really feel like I was in control when this happened. I just all of a sudden decided, all right, I'm going to try and get in touch with your aunt and see what I can do. So I got very quiet. And then I heard this woman's voice. I I asked for his aunt. I asked for her name specifically. And I said, you know, so-and-so's aunt, can you come talk to me? And so she showed up and she gave me the evidence of her dog, like specifically the breed, um, who was crazy, who he, the, the person I was talking to loved, he like loved that dog. And he said like, it was a crazy dog. So like we all kind of associated it with her. And then he kind of apologized to her and she was basically like, man, like, don't worry about it. Life happens. I'm just proud of you. Go on with your life. Enjoy your life because that's 99.9% 99.9% of the time I do mediumship readings, that's what their their past loved ones want to tell them is live life to the fullest, enjoy it. So at the end of it, she said this really weird phrase to me and she said, get cozy. And I said, what does that mean? She goes, I don't need to explain it to you. Just tell him, get cozy. And she was like, <laughs> kind of rude about it. So I was like, all right. So I told him and he started sobbing and explained to me that she was the household that they would always go to for Thanksgiving and that every time after they would stuff themselves and they would go sit in the living room, she would say, go get cozy. And so I've had a lot of those kind of experiences, but that was the first time I remember like driving back from their house and being like, oh my God, I'm a medium. Like I can talk to people's dead relatives. Like what? (laughs) I blew my own mind, you know? And then it just kind of expanded at that point. So I, several months ago, I started seeing these well, actually, it was last year, so it was at, uh, it was over a year ago. I started seeing purple flashes of orbs, like with my eyes open. Okay, so that like really freaked me out, and I for sure thought I had an eye issue because <laughs> that's my immediate go-to is the mundane over magic, right? If I started seeing orbs, I'd go to the eye doctor. I wouldn't be like these are other dimensions, right? I mean, exactly. Like I started going, oh my gosh, I have a I have an eye issue, and my husband's like, do you need to go to the optometrist? I was like, yeah, I do. And so at the time, LASIK was on sale. And so he was like, I'll tell you what, let's go get you checked out for LASIK because they'll be able to tell if everything's okay with your eyes. So I went in, I got a full checkup, everything. I still didn't know what these purple flashes were though. And it was kind of freaking me out. And then one day I realized that every time before I would hear a voice of a deceased loved one, I would see that purple flash. So they're now using that as kind of like a doorbell to let me know that they're there. So that tripped me up for a while because I was like, ah, I've got a brain tumor, (laughs) you know, like something's going on with my eyes. I just spazzed out about it because that's my immediate response to like anything physiologically that is happening. That's weird to me is this is obviously like some sort of a change in my body that I need to pay attention to. And then, yeah, the clairsentience really kicked in and I started being able to feel how they died. And uh, the worst one is I was talking to a friend of mine who's dad uh killed himself with a gun but when i read him i said hey i don't think that you're gonna like what i have to say but he's giving me the symptomology of a meth overdose i hate this feeling and i feel like i'm about to die but it feels like how people have described meth and she got very quiet and she told me that on the coroner's report he he had been using meth yeah that's pretty powerful 
It was, but it was my first experience with them giving me physical symptoms of their death and it was horrible. So I was a little traumatized from that. I'm not going to lie. I, I tend to tell them, like, just tell me how you died. Please don't put it in my body because it's, it's a horrible feeling. You literally feel how they were feeling as they were dying. It is not fun. So that's the other thing I kind of want to share about this is everyone makes this out to be this fun, you know, like, oh, yeah, it's so cool. But it's very disruptive, especially if you are an analytical and intellectual person. It's super disruptive because you start experiencing all these things that if you tend to intellectualize things are not very fun. They're actually kind of terrifying. So working through your fear was a big part of this for me too. I had to work through a lot of fear in going through this because every time a new ability would pop up, I'd freak out. This is just because I still am very material minded. When you said you could predict the news and news headlines, mm-hmm. and maybe I'm not as spiritual or as deep as some people, the first thing I would do is try to predict the stock market lottery. Okay, so I did. Crypto investments. You did. I okay, because I'm so not above. I'm like trying to be a multimillionaire, like not above that, not above if I had those abilities using it. So tell me what happened. Well, let me let me kind of tell you my journey on that because I, at first I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to do this. And then I started really feeling like, oh no, I shouldn't do that. So so first of all, cryptocurrency, this this is actually kind of funny. Shiba Inu coin came out. And for some reason, I felt this massive need to buy it, even though I had never bought any crypto in my entire life. So I bought like $200 of it. And I told my husband, I said, I, I like spent money on this stupid meme coin. <laughs> and he was like, you're ridiculous, Emery. And then it took off like a like a like a rocket. And they told me it's going to max out in October. And it did. It, it maxed out at like, I think I paid. I want to say like $4 a share or something. Anyway, my portfolio went from 200 up to like 3000 in October. And so I was like, holy crap, like, all right, this is a thing. And then the other thing that I did was I went to an online casino and played the slots and basically had my guides tell me quietly (laughs) when to bet a lot and when to not bet a lot and only to bet a lot when it was going to be bonuses. So I turned $50 into 1000 in like an hour and a half. But now why I would play the multi-million dollar Powerball. Why do you not do that? I mean, no one's above. Okay, maybe there's like two people on the planet who are above being a multi-millionaire. I'm so not above trying for that. So why don't you? Well, there, there's a couple of different reasons. So one, I know that my fate is not to win the lottery. They've already told me like that's not a part of your story because that's a huge life-changing event, right? And I know that if you're not on the the spiritual side it sounds like fate whatever but we are here to learn certain lessons and so if i won this massive lotto it would it would throw everything else off basically those lottos are already kind of pre predetermined for the people who win them but would it not be worth throwing everything off well they won't give you the answers oh so you wouldn't get you just wouldn't get the number Yeah, like I just won't like because it's not part of my fate. They're like, no, we won't give you the right answers for that because then you're going to screw somebody else out of that pot and they were supposed to learn the lesson from that. So that's one thing. And then the other thing is the more I got into this and the more I really started learning why it is I have these abilities, the more I have a lot of respect for it. And I feel like if you have access to a higher dimension or a lower dimension or whatever you want to call it, it, it you have access to uh, energy outside of this this reality and you're given that gift, 
using it to amass money is a pretty immature way. Of, and I'm not calling you immature, but I, I'm saying spiritually, it's a pretty immature way of developing those abilities, right? Because you're still fixated on the shallow external human experience. And if I was down here to have that shallow human experience, I wouldn't have these abilities, right? So I started really looking at it. It's why I don't charge money for my readings. I, I don't want anything out of this other than to help people heal the trauma of losing their loved ones or tapping into their guides or tapping into their loved ones, giving them advice to help make things just suck a little less because there's a lot of suffering here, right? So that's that's my purpose for being here. I, I That's not to say I'm sure that maybe there are some people who are given these bit like gifts to amass massive amounts of wealth and, and more power to them. I just know that for me, that viscerally feels wrong. And I really figured that out after I played those slots and won all that money because afterwards I was like, I can't believe I just used my abilities to do that. Like I felt kind of guilty. I was like, I felt that felt a little unfair. You know, it, it feels like cheating. It's kind of like counting cards, I guess. Yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna pretend I'm above that. I would, I would totally cheat. I would just be like, if I could win the hundred million dollar lottery, I'm so not spiritually mature enough to turn that down. Well, we'll we'll see. We'll see. My theory on this is is if I go out and I serve my purpose and I do good in the world and I help people, and that's my intention behind it, that the the universe will take care of me in return. And I will tell you. So far, I have seen evidence of that. You ever wonder what mediums do with their free time? How about a 30-something-year-old gay medium living in New York City? Well, in this podcast, you're about to find out. Welcome to Ghost Daddy, a place where LGBTQ plus spiritual people and our cis-hetero allies, of course, have a place to just be themselves and spread their wisdom this is the new face of spirituality. None of that love and light, toxic positivity crap. So pour yourself a vodka soda, <laughs> open up your mind, and start listening. You can listen to the Ghost Daddy podcast anywhere where you listen to podcasts. Right after I really started developing this stuff and deciding, all right, I want to go out and like help people and I'm going to start really making that like a mission of mine. I'm going to start not just with my little family and friends. I'm going to start really helping people. I'm going to start taking on students and helping them. I, my husband got a $60,000 raise. So that's that's interesting, the parallel of that. Not, I can't deny that. They're correlated. We don't know if it's causation, but it's correlation, which you got to look into. Exactly. Well, and that was kind of what I had the conversation with my husband. I said, Do you, is this like a karmic thing? Like, <laughs> are, are you seeing it like that? Of like, I put good out into the world and we get good coming back to us, like in a karmic form of you making more money and like you getting this dream job. And uh, he was like, honestly, at this point, like, I'm not above saying that, yeah, that might be the case because the timing of it was so bizarre. He was like, it was like, as soon as you decided to do that, and he had been looking at jobs for like two years and it came out of nowhere and it was everything that he wanted, all of the boxes. It was wild. So I do think that there's some correlation there because I, I will say my world got a lot better after I started doing the healing work on myself, really. 
Um, and then once I felt like I was at a place where I wasn't going to give bad guidance, I started giving help to others. Um, that's very key, by the way, if you're interested in spirituality and developing these things, I really can't preach that enough. You have to do work on yourself before you start tapping into this stuff. Otherwise, you are literally like a toddler with a bazooka and you can be very damaging. I'm sure you've seen a lot of the psychic mediums who who you can tell haven't done any work on themselves and aren't very nice humans who are blasting people who are grieving or telling them horrible stuff. There's responsibility that comes with this. I guess those ones, I just thought they were fake I, and just deceiving people. You think some of them really have the abilities? Some of them are legit. I, I am not going to name names, but there's a couple of them that are legit who are just not healed people. Like they were born with those abilities and really need to do some work on themselves. They, it's it's painful for me to watch, honestly, because people are very vulnerable when they're in a grief state. And if someone comes to you for guidance while they're in that grief state, you have a moral responsibility to be kind and loving with them and to understand where they're coming from and to not do damage to them. It's it's kind of mind boggling to me that that isn't just like a prerequisite for these things coming online. Um, and I don't totally understand that yet. I haven't really gotten a clear answer on why that happens sometimes. But some of these people are legit. They're they're just very dysfunctional. And I mean, ideally, in a perfect world, even people who aren't in grief, just morally, we should always be kind to one Agreed. another and want to help each Agreed. other and want to support others, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I just feel like it takes it to a whole different level when someone's struggling and then you're horrible to them. It's We shouldn't kick each other, but you really shouldn't kick someone when they're down. Very true. And when you're in grief, you're not necessarily making clear-headed decisions. You're just, you're yeah, it's such a hard state to be in early grief. Yeah, you're just very vulnerable. Even later grief, sometimes like I've noticed for some of the people I work with, year two is really the year that they get walloped with it because it's almost like they can't really run from it anymore or they can't, you know, as it's settling in as reality for them. Um, so it's it's a long process to get through grief. But if, if you step into being a, a medium and you want to go help people, you have to really make sure you've done a lot of work on yourself to not only just be a better person, right? But also to silence your ego so that your ego isn't interjecting messages in between whoever you're talking to on the other side and what's coming out of your mouth. Because that actually does happen a lot. I don't even know what that means, to be honest. Like, what does it mean, your ego? That's okay. I'll break it down. <laughs> yes, please. Okay. So it's like when people ask the difference between like, well, how do you know that that's just your thoughts versus someone else talking? Because for me, like I said, it, I, they come in in their own voices. And I'll actually imitate them sometimes just to like, and I, I'm not trying to be offensive, but I will imitate them sometimes to whoever I'm speaking to, to give them a, a, like a feel of like, this is how they're, they're speaking to me and this is their accent and like whatever else. But for most people, their clear audience comes in at, in their own voice. They're hearing words, but it's in their own voice. Like they're thinking it, right? So how do you distinguish the difference between your brain thinking something and the spirit that's coming in? And if you haven't done a lot of self-work to sit and get quiet and meditate, essentially, so that you can deprogram all of that crap that is your ego, all that that voice in your head that says like, oh, you can't do anything right or you're stupid or this guy says that he hates his wife or you know whatever it is, that voice can sometimes sound like the spirit talking to you. And so you'll deliver stuff that isn't actually the spirit itself. 
I run into that a little bit when it comes to visuals of things, right? Because I think in visuals and in feelings. That's I'm one of those weird people that doesn't have like an audible inner voice. So, which that was another thing during all of this that was kind of wild is when I started explaining this to people and people were like, yeah, I have a voice in my head that talks to me all the time. And I was like, but it's like in other people's voices. And they're like, oh, no, I don't have that. And I was like, you have a voice talking to you all the time in your head? Like, I go crazy. Like your own voice. Yeah, I hear my own voice in my head all the time. I think most people do. And it just I had never spoken to anybody about that. And so it didn't even occur to me that other people have that voice in their head. The only time I hear my voice is when I am writing, singing, or reading. Those are the only times that I hear like my own voice in my head. And so what else is going through your head? Visuals normally? Because like I hear my voice 24-7 in my head unless I'm like listening to music or listening to a podcast. It's silent. My head is silent. So my, my thoughts come in visuals and in feelings, right? So like there's just this understanding of this is what I'm thinking. There's no actual physical or audible thing that comes up every once in a while I'll get visuals that like kind of pop into my head but and and that's like I said that's where I start struggling sometimes on mediumship stuff and you'll hear me on the podcast say I'm not sure if this is my brain or if this is the spirit so I'm just going to tell you what I see and like leave it with you if it makes sense because I become pretty aware of "Mm, that didn't really seem like that came from them that kind of feels like something familiar for me or a memory that maybe I had that was like very repressed or whatever but for most people, uh, if they're not silencing their ego, if they're not doing that that quieting work and that self-work to not have a very active voice in their head talking all the time, it it contaminates their readings. So that's why like, I almost sound militant about it. But I'm like, if you want to get into this and you want to help people, you have to work on yourself first. It just it makes you better at reading, too. That's yeah, that makes sense. I think everyone self-work in different ways, depending on what you want to do with your life mm-hmm. you need to do different kinds I think the more self-work you can do and the more you better yourself the better you are at whatever you want to do in life I completely agree I actually think that's the whole purpose of us being down here if I'm being candid I think we're all here to understand ourselves and to really work on ourselves to the point of where we become brutally authentic like we don't put up masks anymore we don't believe things that were told to us that don't resonate with us at the core I, I truly believe that's why we're down here and so for me, that's like a foundational thing, right? <laughs> if you want to start connecting to other realms, like you kind of need to solve what we're here for. And I really noticed it, it supercharged my abilities. I went from like, this is kind of weird to full blown. Like, I've got everything. I'll smell things that aren't actually happening in my room or whatever, but I'll be talking to someone on the phone and I'll be like, man, something smells like orange tang. And they're like, what? get out. I'm stirring emergency into a cup of water right now. How did you smell that? And I'm like, I don't know. I just smelled it. Wait, when you're talking on the phone with them. Yeah, it, but that it, that actually is a thing. It's psychic smelling. Some people have taste. That's the only one I don't have. They get tastes of people's favorite foods and stuff when they're reading for mediumship. I've, I only know one medium that has that. And and she said it's like kind of one of her favorites. I've never experienced that, though. The, the smell thing I have experienced several times. I've oddly had a smell experience, too. And I'm not even a medium. Well, that probably means that that's one of your abilities if you ever wanted to work on them. I would, I would love to go out of body. I'd love to. I mean, I do work on my abilities just because I think it's exploring other dimensions. But yeah, I don't, I don't have the abilities most people who are actually mediums do. I mean, I have to work ten times harder, and I'll have like one experience, and I have to be around other 
mediums or people in that world, I, then I seem to ride on their energy in some way. But yeah, I don't know. I mean, no, no, that's that, you nailed it, though. That is actually what happens. So we have an energetic field around us, like, you know, like an electromagnetic field, essentially, which in woo woo terms is your aura. I call it my energy field because I, I am like, I don't know what's wrong with me, but I am so averse to new age stuff. It's not even funny. Like the second somebody brings up crystals or chakras, I'm like, blah, 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 tune out. Like I have the hardest time with it. I think we're very aligned yeah. in all that. I like the science. I Yeah, I, I have a hard time with that. But when we speak in terms of energy, that's something I totally can get down with. It makes sense to me. So when you're in the energetic field of someone who is vibrating at a different frequency than you are and they're vibrating at a higher frequency, it temporarily brings your frequency up. And it's actually the same thing that happens when you take psychedelics. So one thing that you'll notice is that, and I don't know if we're getting into something we shouldn't hear, but so stop me if we are. One thing I've noticed is that a lot of mediums and people who have done a lot of work on themselves uh, who just now vibrate at that higher frequency all the time, when they take psychedelics, nothing really happens because they're already in the frequency that that brings you up to. Yeah, no, we can go into it. I'm fine with talking about psychedelics. I don't have a problem with them. I haven't ever done them, but I don't have a I I'm curious. So I've done them twice uh, because I was curious. Well, actually three times. So I did ayahuasca once and I did mushrooms twice. And let me tell you how different this experience was from when I was lower vibration to where I am now because (laughs) it's pretty wild. When my husband and I got married, we went over to Europe and Iceland and stuff for our honeymoon. And so we went to Amsterdam and we ended up doing mushrooms because they're legal there. And these are like, like high grade hallucinatory mushrooms these are not like you know the stuff that you get here in the united states this stuff was wild so i ate mine and literally i could see the walls breathing i mean it was like so freaky for me i did not like it honestly and so i found out that because the guy at the the psychedelic shop or whatever it was told us if if your trip gets too intense or you have a bad trip just eat a ton of sugar and it, it will stop your high So after about an hour of just laughing so hard that I couldn't breathe and seeing the walls pulsing and as weird as this is, I went to the bathroom and I sat on the toilet and, you know, the toilets in Europe are like wall mounted and I came back out and I looked like I had seen a ghost and my husband looked at me. He's like, what's wrong with you? And I was like, I feel like I just peed into a void. And he's like, what is wrong with you? Because his hadn't kicked in yet. There was this distinct feeling of nothing being underneath me. And it was so uncomfortable, but freeing all at the same time. It was very strange. So I had that experience. And then his kicked in later because he didn't chew him well enough. And then he had a wild trip. Because, okay, so he's an engineer. He's an aerospace engineer. So he started going into, like, we're all made of star stuff and, like, those kind of thoughts and the energetic vibration of everything. And then finally, like, he, he was. That's probably what I would do. Yeah, he he had a very intellectual trip. And it was kind of funny because I woke up in the morning and he was still awake and he was sitting in a chair just like twacked out. He was like, nah, you know, and so (laughs) I was like, are you okay?" I was like, I know you you didn't want to eat cookies last night, but I really need you to eat some sugar. So he did. And he came down from it. and He was like, that's terrible. I never want to do that again. (laughs) So 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 that was interesting. And then um, I did mushrooms like not too long ago because I'm in Colorado and they're decriminalized in Denver. And uh, I'm also I'm also sharing with everyone that like if you are going to do this, do this in a place where you're you're not going to have a worry about being caught because the stuff does mess with you psychologically. So <laughs> at least if you're an intellectual like churner like like I am and it sounds like you are. <laughs> 
So I did them and nothing really happened. I felt like slightly like I was in a better mood. I mean, it, the effects for me were a lot less than like smoking marijuana. It it was almost nothing. Like I I was like, man, I was supposed to feel something off of this. I didn't get anything off of it. Oh, weird. And they were equally powerful mushrooms. You were just a lot more spiritually advanced at that time. Yeah, I had brought my, well, I had brought my frequency up. So at the time I thought, well, maybe it's, you know, maybe they're just like not really great mushrooms, but everyone else around me was high as fuck. So I was like, I don't know, like maybe, maybe my body is just not responding to it this time. Cause that does happen sometimes for people. But then when I did ayahuasca and I took like five times the dosage as normal and literally didn't get anything else. Oh my God. Five times. I dosage that's I did why did you do that you just weren't feeling anything I wasn't feeling anything after like an hour and I thought you know what I'll just take like you can't overdose on this stuff so I'll just take the rest of this and and my husband's babysitting me so like hopefully it'll be fine you know (laughs) so we went and watched cartoons and I literally didn't feel anything the only thing that changed for me on that high of a dosage of ayahuasca was I get this, I can see certain energy. I know that sounds really nutty, but I promise you it's true. No, I'm going to have to ask you what it looks like. I see this um, sparkly white light. It looks like someone blew like gold dust in the air, basically. But it moves in all sorts of different directions. And if I reach out to it to move it, it'll move in, in a direction around my hand. So it's like, it's interactive. Like I can mess with it. So, and I really just think that that's literally just energy. I can actually see it. Sometimes it forms into like channels, like little river streams, basically. And I can see where it's kind of headed to and where it's coming from. It gets really intense when it's really windy outside. I see a lot of it. That was another one of those things that made me think that I was having issues with my eyes because when my clairvoyance, which is like clear seeing, kicked in, but it kicked in with my eyes open, I really freaked out. So that was the purple flashes and this weird white light and, you know, all sorts of random stuff. So the only thing that happened when I took ayahuasca is that bright white light got a little bit more intense. It had more luminosity to it. Oh my God, you're making me want to do so much meditation because I'm terrified to do ayahuasca. I want to have done it. I don't want to do it, if that makes any sense. It does. So here's what I'm going to tell you and anyone who's listening. I don't ever tell any of my students to use drugs at all because it's just a temporary fix. It's like it's like taking a pharmaceutical that is going to kind of help you get past something, but it doesn't actually address the issue. It's the same thing. It's I, I call it spiritual pharmaceuticals because it's the same thing. You might have this amazing experience that then causes you to want to sit down and buckle down on doing the actual work, but you can get there by just doing the work and you can do that by sitting in silence. Like, yeah, it's going to take a little bit longer, but let me tell you, if you're not having a Band-Aid ripoff, floodgates open kind of awakening, there's a reason for it and it's probably to protect your sanity, okay? So- a lot of I've heard I read a lot of stuff on ayahuasca before I, I tried it because I had read some pretty terrible experiences of people freaking out and it messing up people's brains for years and years afterward. If you're not if, if the universe or the energy around us is not giving you access to those things, there's a reason for it. OK, so like if you do want to do those things, do the work and the work is you have to go in and figure out where all your negative feelings stem from. And work on that. You have to sit in silence and get very good at quieting your ego, like letting it just blah, 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 blah itself out until it has nothing else to say. Okay. And let me just tell you, 
that is freeing in and of itself. I like I thought meditation was so dumb <laughs> for like 20 years. Oh my god, I love you. I mean, I, yeah, I thought it was like for weird people. I mean, I got into it before I was into all this, but that was because like all these successful business people were talking about it. So I was like, oh, I'm gonna learn to do it so I can focus better and be yeah. better at my career. Like I otherwise I was like, I thought it was for like the weirdest people. Yeah. And I mean, like the couple of times I tried to do meditation, I listened to guided ones and I just fell asleep. Like, so for the longest time, I was just like, meditation's stupid. I'm not doing that. And then I started meditating regularly and I started realizing that I needed to do that. And I needed to do that because I needed to get so calm and still and quiet inside for a long period of time that I could get clarity. Right. So what I always tell people is doing meditation is essentially like, quieting yourself so that you can hear the whisper of other spirits or other frequencies. Because when your brain's still active and it's going and it's running all the programs that it has been installed from the time that you were a kid, like all the things that you've learned and all the things that people told you about yourself and all the things that you believe about yourself based on bad experiences and all that stuff's worrying, it's like trying to hear a whisper in a loud crowded bar. Like you're never going to hear the whisper, even though the whisper's there, it's talking to you. You just can't hear it because your brain is screaming over the top of it. So at some point, you've got to figure out how to either remove yourself from that bar, right, which people use psychedelics for, or optimally, you get the bar to quiet down. And you do that through meditation. Do you want to share one of the coolest experiences you've had during meditation? I know you also talked about how you do astral travel and you got some proof about it. And that happened during your meditations. Do you want to share about your astral travel? Or I do. So that's actually what I, I kind of sidestepped this earlier because I wasn't sure how I really wanted to talk about this, but or if you wanted to talk about it. But astral traveling is actually the first thing I was able to do. So when I found out I was a medium months and months and months later, that was like a surprise to me, right? I just thought I was able to astral travel. So that the news articles that I told you about was while I was astral traveling. I went to this small schoolhouse in the middle of a mountain valley and my guide who was with me. And just so everyone knows, astral travels the same as out of body experiences. It's when you're we don't know exactly how it works technically, but essentially it's when your consciousness is out of your body and you see some people say they go to other dimensions. I personally would try to want to do it and go see something where I can get evidence, like go to the apartment next door. Which is what I did. Okay, I can share some of those with you. So because I've done a lot of testing on that just to see like, well, where am I and what am I doing? So I'm also going to ex- finish the news story and then tell some of the proof just because people are going to be like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> so the, the news article story that I told you guys about earlier Um, What actually happened in that is that I was astral traveling. So I had an out-of-body experience. My, uh, I was in like a trance state. My my husband was actually in the room while I was doing this. And he said that I basically just kind of look like I'm asleep, but I'm not. And he said my breathing gets really weird, right? So those are some of the things that I thought were interesting because I obviously I don't witness that, but my husband did because he was in the room with me when it happened and has watched me astral travel many, many times since then. So with the news articles, I was taken to a mountain valley, basically, that had a small white schoolhouse in it. And we walked in through the schoolhouse doors. And this is so strange, but the clock on the wall was set at 11.11. And then he walked me over to this old computer, super old, like the kind that we grew up with in like the 90s that were like the size of your desk, basically, because they were so big. 
he walked me over to this computer and he said the password is 1111. And so I typed it in and I opened it up and he said, ask it any questions that you want to know. And I was like, like, what do you mean? And he was like, well, you're on this hunt for proof. So ask it a question. So I was like, okay. So I started asking about the news articles. I asked it about the news articles. I had asked it about my husband's job and when that was going to change. Because again, he had been like hunting for two years at this point, basically, or maybe a year at this point that I had actually asked for this proof. So I came back, you know, and I, I remembered all this stuff. So I wrote it all down when I came back out of it. And then the weirdest thing was with my husband's job, I said, I physically want to see proof. And they were like, what do you mean you physically want to see proof? And I was like, I know what I saw and I know that it said that I had something to do with satellites and technology, but what what does that mean exactly? My husband thought that was weird, right? Because at the time he was working in robotics and he was like, what are the satellites? What the hell? Like that doesn't make any sense. But then he came home like a week later from work and nothing weird had happened in the in the time in between, uh, well, related to this at least. And then he had come home from work and he came in and he like ran into the living room. He was like, oh my God, you got to come outside and see this. There's something super weird in the sky. And my guy chimed in and goes, here's that physical proof you asked for. And I went, yeah, okay, whatever. And she goes, no, listen to me. So I went outside and I looked up at the sky with him and there were all of these, it, it turned out it was the SpaceX satellites for Starlink. And I thought that was super weird, but those are satellites, right? And so I thought that's very odd. And so for context, the dream job that my husband got is working at an engineering consultant who handles SpaceX's competitor. So my husband is working on stuff to launch other things into space, satellites specifically. (laughs) And I I have to ask you then, had he applied for this job already and you knew? No, he didn't get that job for another year and a half. So I, I've had lots of like very weird ones like that. I've also come back from like the astral realm and asked for proof of it and then gotten very bizarre proof. So I, I actually have a really good one recently. This one's pretty weird. And this one was mind blowing even for me. I, I thought, what the hell was that? Oh, man. Um. So I had this weird in- encounter in the astral realm with a guy who I'm going to call him like a men in black type guy, <laughs> but he was like wearing a suit. He looked like three letter agency, like in-, in the astral realm. And he had asked me to sign a soul contract to do some stuff for him to help with raising the vibration in the specific realm that I was in. And and th- it was odd because I'd never been to this realm before and everybody kind of looked a little monster like they but. They weren't like aggressive monsters. They were kind of depressed monsters, if that makes sense. They were all just kind of moping around. And so I was like, yeah, okay, like this has got to be my brain. There's no way. Like I know that I'm astral traveling, but what the fuck is this? So I said, okay. I said, I'm not going to sign a soul contract, but I do need proof that this is real and that what you're asking me is a legit thing. He goes, well, what do you want from me as proof? And I said, I want you to send me $5,000 in, in my realm. So I refer to this realm as Midgard because I work a lot through the the Norse lens stuff. So I told him, I I said, in Midgard, I need you to send me $5,000. Because I thought, there's no way $5,000 is not just going to drop out of the sky into my lap. Right before Christmas, this was only like maybe three or four days later after this. Right before Christmas, I got this postcard that had a a scratch off. It was like a blackjack scratch off on it. And I've never seen anything like this. And it was from a company in Denver And the jackpot was $5,000 and I got blackjack on my scratch off. 
shut up. That's weird. Super weird. Like, unbelievably weird. Like, it, it, I remember just sitting in silence in the car, staring at it, gobsmacked. And my husband's like, what's wrong? And I was just like, what the fuck? What the fuck? Like, I just kept repeating it over and over again. Cause I was like, hence the name of my podcast. Cause that's like all I started saying since studying this. Like, what the fuck? It's like you say it every day when you start studying this and the weird shit happens. I know. But, and the thing is, is like, once you get into this and I, and it, I think it's a lot my path because I am so skeptical that they send me a lot of proof, but I have those what the fuck moments like three times a week. They're just so bizarre. So, okay. I have another one for you. I was talking to my guides. This one happened last week, actually. I was talking to my guides and I was getting kind of frustrated on something because I had made a deal with them. And I had said to them, like, I need you to to show me that you guys are going to deliver on your promise. I'm so over this. I've done all the work. I need you guys to prove to me. Like, I need some sort of proof. And I'm not talking about angel numbers or some other coincidental thing. Like, I need something so pointed and specific in my realm that I know that this is a thing. And so my guide said, I'm sending you something today. Don't worry about it. And I said, okay, I'll believe it when I see it because that's always my response, right? So (laughs) I'm kind of petulant with them, I'll be honest. So um, later that night, my husband went to our package box and grabbed my Amazon package, which for some reason came packed in a UPS Express box, which has never happened to me literally in my entire life with Amazon. So I already thought that was kind of weird. And as soon as I saw it, I said, oh, Nick, my husband, I guarantee you there's something weird in this package. And he said, well, what do you mean? I said, there's something weird because I asked for proof on something and they said they were sending me something today and something about this is telling me it's going to be weird. So he sat down with me and like I was expecting, you know, snakes to jump out of the box or something like one of those wind up toys, you know. So I opened it up and all my stuff was in there and but there was a pen in the bottom of the box. So I dumped out the pen. And I looked at it and it was this company, um, Peterson, it was white with like writing on the side of it. And I think it was like Penderson, um, something other, it's a, a, some other name and it had their website on it. Okay. And so I looked at this pen and I said this, that I guarantee there's something weird as shit on this website. So I go and click on the website and the website says, we grow to deliver on our promise. That's literally their slogan. So the only thing in the box was this pen and you hadn't ordered it and you hadn't ordered anything else. It was that were there other stuff in it? No, there was there was other stuff. So I had ordered an Amazon package that had been running late, apparently, even though it was like still on time. So they sent it in an express box, which was odd. But I didn't order this pen. This pen just came with the box. But I had specifically said verbatim to them, I need proof that you guys are going to deliver on your promise. And I got a pen that said it on that. And then the other weirdest thing is, you know, so my name's Emery. The other weird thing about this is that their logo, even though it's Penderson something or other, it's a, I think it's an F. It, their logo weirdly looks like an E, which is obviously like my <laughs> first initial. So I show this to my husband. And he just was like, nothing even surprises him anymore at this point because he's just seen so much weird shit that he's just like, man, that's weird as hell. Because he's still trying to to logic it in his head. I still try to, too. I just kind of give up after a while because I drive myself crazy going like, I don't logically know how how that could have happened. I asked for proof today. This package was shipped days ago. How is that possible? Well, it kind of clicked with me. So it, that actually kind of clicked with me of the whole like time time is a man-made measurement, essentially, and that everything is happening all at once somehow, somewhere. 
my brain still exploded over that concept though. Like I, I recognize that time is relative. I'm totally cool with that concept. But when you tell me that everything is happening all at once everywhere, my brain just cannot fathom that. But for a split second when I got this pen and realized that I had asked for proof that day and then got it that day, even though it had been shipped days before that, I was like, maybe time is not a real thing. Like maybe it's just something we use in this frequency or this, you know, this reality, this realm to measure things. It was mind blowing. I would ask you a question too about your husband because he's a skeptical atheist, similar to me, especially early on before I started studying this where he thought all this was complete bullshit. Yep. And I know you said he was raised fundamentalist Christian. And I've noticed like a lot of the skeptics. I mean, I was just raised atheist. Like this stuff was irrelevant in my life, but it's interesting. And I've talked about this on the podcast before the least open-minded skeptics tend to be the ones that were raised fundamentalist Christian or fundamentalist religious, where there's a lot of trauma around religious belief. And so they're very anti this stuff. So that I know is your husband's background. Yeah. What were some of the turning points? What was the, what the fucks that started to convince him? Because he believes you now and thinks something weird's going on. Well, it kind of started for him a while back, right? Like he seen me do some really weird stuff even before I, I was quote unquote awake. I would have death premonition dreams all the time and they all happened. Like I had a dream about a terrorist attack for three days in a row before it happened. The, the Paris attack that happened in that concert hall, I saw it before it happened and I, I kept seeing it night after night and I couldn't explain it because I was like, I'm surrounded by people who I don't speak their language and like, I don't know where this is. Like I don't recognize anybody in this room, but like everyone around me is dying and he woke me up because I on like the third night because I was crying. And he, I was whimpering in my sleep and he was like, you know, are you having another one of your weird death dreams? And I was like, yeah, I am. And I don't understand this one. Cause usually when I have those death dreams, it's people I know, it's their family members, it's celebrities, it's people I've somehow energetically connected with or seen. These were just random people and a lot of them. And so when it actually didn't happen, we watched it on television and I just started sobbing and he goes, oh my God, this is what your dream was about. And I said, yeah. So he had already had that experience with me. He had already known. Well, I, on multiple occasions, I had told people like, so-and-so is going to die. Like, I need you to understand like, this is, you need to go see them before they die. And then they die right afterward. So he had seen that. Um, we also had an experience in Okigahara in the suicide forest where I got really freaked out on a part of the trail, like really freaked out. And I just kind of brushed it off as like, oh, I just got freaked out by the moniker of this forest. Like, you know, I just spooked myself out. But then the next day when we got back to America, because we were there on New Year's Day, we saw that YouTube guy uh, had gotten in, into a lot of trouble or a lot of heat for posting a very disrespectful video. I think it was Logan Paul. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I remember that. But I looked at the video or my husband did. So Nick looked at the video because he was the one who found it. And because he was like, holy shit. And I had just woken up. and He was like, holy shit. Look at this. And I started watching the video and the part on the trail that they blurred this guy's body out on was the part of the trail that I got freaked out during. <laughs> so he already like kind of, and he told me, he said, I, I already kind of knew you were like connected to something. I just didn't know what it was, but weird shit only happens around you, you know? <laughs> so, so he had already kind of had like a, um, like a baseline built for that. But then, yeah, when I started hearing voices, it was very reminiscent for him of religious people being like, I can, I speak to Jesus. I can hear Jesus. And then they're like horrible human beings. And he's like, no, you don't, you know? So 
for him, it was like, oh no, I have a fundamentalist Christian wife again. Like, you know, like that was really where he went with that. And you're right to say that the most staunch ones are the ones that have had religion wounds because spirituality looks a lot like religion if you're not experiencing it. We had a lot of fights about it. I'm not going to lie. Like it, that was a struggle in our, that tested our relationship for a good six months, probably. Um, even despite him having all of this evidence, because it was just like, so unbelievable for him. And you know, this coming from an atheist, you know, viewpoint, because he went from like going from the, the Baptist Methodist Christian viewpoint of everything is God, you know, God, everything, the Holy spirit, everything, yada, yada, to being like, there is no God. It's literally just chaos to then getting a whole bunch of evidence that like, oh, no, there is something bigger than this. And so it was hard for him to kind of change his mindset. And and he told me and and I actually I want to share this just in case anybody else is kind of struggling with this. He said that the reason he had such a hard time with it was because like, you know, he had kind of mocked religious people of like, oh, yeah, Sky Daddy told you to do whatever. or Oh, your invisible friend told you to do whatever. And so now he was having to kind of reckon with evidence of, oh, no, there is something actually like out there. And I went to the extreme and was mocking these people for believing this. But now my wife believes that there's other stuff out there and she's showing me some pretty compelling evidence. Holy shit, you know. So his big turning point on that, like after that, because we had that conversation and I basically said, it's okay to change your mind once you have more data points. Like, you know that you're scientifically minded. The whole thing about science is that as you have more data become available, then your your conclusion changes. Like, and that's okay. We're here to learn, you know, like from your limited viewpoint on it before what you said was probably correct. Those people probably weren't talking to Jesus. Like, I totally get that. So I also had to explain to him that just because sushi and fast food are both food does not mean they're the same. And so for me, spirituality is sushi and religion is fast food because one of them is like very accessible and bite-sized, but it's not really, you're not going to get a whole lot of nourishment from it in the long run because you're being told by other humans what to think about something that's not, not human, essentially. Spirituality is very nourishing because you have to go down your own path and everybody's path looks different, all of them. So while I I actually do value religion. I just see them as kind of tributaries that lead into spirituality, right? They're they're a path for people who need it kind of laid out for them. They just do a lot of harm because it's also like very contaminated with human stuff. So as far as my husband goes, uh, after we kind of got through that and we, we took some space and I actually went on my drive to go see the aspen trees and had that weird thing happen with that woman in the woods, which you guys will hear that voicemail. That one was so unbelievable for him that it was like, holy shit, this is real. Like, I'm I'm literally like witnessing her having these experiences with third parties that I know she doesn't know. This is like some random woman in the woods. Inspired by David Justice, who died after a nearly two-year battle with glioblastoma, Jet, Joyful Experience Team, was founded by his son, Oliver Justice, and his best friends, River Attard, Leo Gerstein, Jack Gorenstein, and Felix Ward. Jet seeks to create joyful experiences for families struggling with brain cancer, a chance to enhance their lives with experiences that are rich in love and will be treasured for all time. We believe, like David did, 
that life should not be measured in time, but in joyful moments. JET will allow families coping with this painful diagnosis to go to special events and be treated like VIPs. Go to makingheadway.org forward slash JET for a complete list of programs and activities. He had also witnessed me doing a mediumship reading for a good friend of mine and a a college friend of hers. And and let me rephrase this. She's a good friend of mine now. She was my best friend in childhood, but we didn't talk to each other for like 15 years because I moved and we reconnected right before we moved back to Colorado. So I didn't know anything about her college life. So uh, I did a mediumship reading for her and our friend showed up and I had all these specific details about him and including a song that her ex used to sing to her that this guy had brought up. I mean, very weird things, right? But the other very weird thing is, um, and I don't know if you've had mediums come and talk on the show about this, but a lot of mediums are spirit led and that's kind of how I prefer to do it too, which is I just open up a door and whoever comes through comes through <laughs> and that's who I'll channel. But I do have the ability to call up spirits if they're willing to come talk. And and I've learned to do that over the last year, really. But I don't always get the right person the first time. So if I'm asking for Fred, I might get a different Fred first. And then I have to figure out, like, is this the right Fred or not? And then I have to dismiss that one and take the next Fred that comes in. So in this specific case. I'd say almost every medium I know says that you can't control usually who comes in. You'll do your best, but you can't control it. So I've kind of honed my my stuff to this point of where usually I'll get them in the first try or two. It, it's I, I'm working on it. But this specific experience was so weird because there was a guy that had the same name as her college friend who came in and started showing me a bunch of stuff that didn't make sense for her college friend. But then when I went and looked up all of the details later, that guy went to a a college that we were sitting at, basically. The college campus was, I don't know, like maybe a mile or two from where we were. So he went to that college. He died. They showed me, like he showed me everything. His cleats, his, all of this stuff. I went and looked up his profiles on Facebook and I was like, holy shit, this is the guy that came to me. And so I shared his profile with not only the friend that I was reading for, but also my husband. And my husband was like, holy shit, you brought up the cleats. You brought up, you know, the fact that he loved football. You brought up the fact that he went to CSU. You brought up all this stuff. And like all of this stuff is outlined on this guy's profile. And it was like a total accidental channeling. Like I I wasn't actually trying to talk to that guy. (laughs) I, I think it was a few of those things. And then the one that I think really pushed it over the edge for him was I did a psychic reading for him and then did a mediumship reading for him. And connected things uh, from his childhood with his grandparents who passed away long before we met, like 15, 20 years before we met. Um, His grandmother came to talk to me and gave me very specific things about his childhood that he didn't even really remember. And then I had done a psychic reading for his aunt after that because his grandmother was like, I want to talk to my daughter, basically. <laughs> and so I had to go approach that with her gently because, again, they're they're Christian. So I was like, oh, God, how is this going to go over? But she was open to it. And I gave very specific details about a trip that they had gone on, like, I don't know, in the 90s or something. It He just had enough third-party evidence of watching me with other people and knowing that there's no way I could have known these things to be, this is legit. Like, I trust what she's saying because she's just giving so much evidence. 
It still squiffs him out. I'm not going to lie. He still gets uncomfortable, especially when I have like those big weird ones. I mean, I do this and I'm still, I mean, I don't do mediumship, but I do this podcast, write about it, research it. And I'm still like mind blown. I'm just curious because you are so scientific and have you read all the Winbridge data or thought about doing any of the testing at any of the places? No. So the only testing that I did was with the Institute of Noetic Sciences. Are you able to talk about what you did and your experiences there? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't actually go there. They they used to. I don't. I can't find it anymore. But I do have screenshots from this. So I'll send this to you too if I can find them. Because um, again, this was like way early in the beginning of my path when I was trying to convince myself that I wasn't batshit crazy. <laughs> so, um, so I found this the Institute of Noetic Sciences, and they had all of these psychic tests for remote viewing. They had a test that was essentially like tell us which of these face down cards have an image on the front of it like a specific image, I think. So anyway, I did that test and my results were like 702 to one or something insane because I had just gotten so many of them right. And then I had done a whole bunch of remote viewing testing and I, again, scored off the charts on that. I would see things in my head and then I would like kind of describe them and put in words and then they'd, you know, it would come up with like the image or whatever and it would be pretty close to what I saw. Like, you know, if it was a beach, I would see a beach, but it might be like a different looking beach, if that makes sense. So I did a lot of those kind of tests and I and I thought surely if this third party algorithmic, you know, computer essentially is is showing me that the odds of me getting these things are so astronomically low, this is legit. And so I did though. I sat down and I think I did like like 100 hands or something of that. I also did a lot of remote viewing testing. Actually, this one's actually pretty neat. So uh this was another one of those scientific like I wonder if this is actually going to prove that I'm insane. But it did the opposite and proved to me that I was actually remote viewing. So I don't actually have to do astral traveling in order to remote view, believe it or not. I can tell you where. So I'm going to explain it in the terms that I kind of know, (laughs) which I don't know if they're going to necessarily line up with the scientific one. So feel free to kind of chime in on that. But so remote viewing is I can close my eyes and like ask for guidance on something or or try to tune into something energetically and then I can see it. I don't have to be in an out-of-body experience. I can literally be listening to stuff going on around me. I just basically split my frequency between this realm and I, I call it the psychic realm, but it's really like a mirror realm uh, of this one. The only difference is sometimes there will be things that are slightly out of place. That's what I've noticed. So like I might have something in this realm on the right side of my desk and in the psychic realm, psychic realm, it might show up on the left side. That's the only real difference. Or there might be a chair in the room that isn't actually in the room here. Astral traveling is when you literally have an out-of-body experience. I go into a trance state basically. And for me, the entrance is through I see stars that start – oscillating around me when I'm in that headspace and then I switch into my um, third eye and then I can literally feel my body, my body and my my consciousness or my soul separating. Um, and there's a very distinct feeling on astral traveling when you come back of falling back into your body, at least for me. there There is a reentry feeling that is very specific to astral travel. It's really freaky. It actually kind of feels a little bit like dying because you're not in your body anymore. And so you start feeling like you're not really attached to anything. As far as the realms go, so when I do remote viewing, I call those realms the psychic realms, right? When I'm astral traveling, I call that the astral realm. And then above that is actually the noetic realm. And the noetic realm is 
it doesn't appear with physical things, what we would expect other realms to have. There's no rivers or whatever. There, there are, but it's just energy. It's just a lot of energy with not a whole lot of detail attached to it. Those realms are pretty trippy. I'm not going to lie <laughs> because it, it's more of a sensing feeling, quasi seeing. It's like everything's kind of through this blurry lens of of energy. But the remote viewing aspect of it, I think it I think you can kind of learn to do that even if you don't necessarily have psychic abilities from from what I've heard. Yes. And I mean, I had when I took my remote viewing class, I couldn't do it 90% of the time, but I accurately did it like twice. It was kind of crazy. That's cool. So it was very cool. That's awesome. So my remote viewing, the way I do it is I, I get very calm and quiet. So usually like after I've meditated or or if I'm just in a good calm headspace. I get very quiet and I calm down and then I actually see, I try to breathe my spirit out of my body, so to speak, visually. And then I use it to, like, I visualize that ether, my soul's ether uh, or my electromagnetic field or whatever you want to call it, essentially going to whatever I need to go look at. And then I get very focused on whatever I'm looking at. I've been able to tell people, like, things that are in their drawers (laughs) in their office. What I haven't been able to do, though, and I don't know why this is, my husband wrote down some numbers on a on a sticky note, and I tried to remote view to go look at the sticky note and get the number. And for whatever reason, I read it backwards. And so he wrote like 62, but I read it as 92. So there's there's some it's kind of weird sometimes. That's still pretty evidential. I mean, that's just kind of sounds like I can see why you'd call it then a mirror realm. Yeah. So you'll get it close, but as if you're looking at it flipped. I have better accuracy if I go astral travel. <laughs> I know that sounds odd, but I have better accuracy if I go astral travel and then ask to be guided into the spirit or into the psychic realm so that I'm, I'm my body's physically there. But one of the weirdest things that happened during this in the very beginning was I was talking to a friend of mine and she was like, somebody's pet snake got loose in our apartment complex and we don't know where it is. And it's like a huge boa. And she was like, my neighbor's terrified of snakes, like a different neighbor. And so we're trying to find the snake. Can you help me find it? And so I closed my eyes and I thought it was in a utility box. I said, I don't know. I feel like it's curled up like in a utility box outside. I, I don't know what to tell you, but this, it looks like it's mounted on a wall, but I, I know it's like a utility box. It's like a gray box. I don't hear anything for a few hours. And then she contacts me back and she's like, you're not going to believe this. They found it inside the phone, like the call box at the pool. That's why when I get things that are slightly off, I'm like, man, that doesn't count as evidence. Like <laughs> it has to be so specific for me to not mentally brush that off as a coincidence. But I've just had so many of those batshit super specific ones at this point that, you know, I, I've pretty much mellowed into it. I still question things that I see every once in a while and then I like regret it, you know, every time I question it because then I get some evidence right afterward that was like, no, what you saw was right. You know, <laughs> But it's. Good to still question. I will question until the day I die. I think that, yeah, obviously I'm a little biased because I question all the time. I think that's the best way to be. I agree. And a lot, a lot, the biggest part of that for me is we're down here to have a human experience. I can't just tap out of my human experience and go full blown or full board spiritual into the point where it becomes delusion and be okay with it because that's not what I'm down here to do. Right. So I will question everything until the day I die. I will ask for proof for everything until the day I die. 
because my biggest fear in this is that somebody comes to me for guidance and I give them bad guidance. It comes with a lot of responsibility. What would you say? And I know I try to keep things evidential grounded, but I'm just so curious because you said you've gone into like astral realms. What is the weirdest, most out there experience you've had? All right. So yeah, this one's going to go into woo woo. So you'll just have to, you'll have to ride with me on this. Uh, There is a guide that's attached to my higher self who I don't really like. (laughs) By the way, I'm going to add one thing about woo-woo. In general, I don't do a lot of woo-woo, but if someone has proven themselves to be evidential in so many ways, I'm going to believe them when they also, or at least strongly consider and not dismiss it when they also talk about things that might be woo-woo and not proven, if they've proven themselves already. Awesome. Well, good. So I have this guide who is, and I call him a guide, but it's really like a begrudging guide because I don't really enjoy him. Uh, and he's attached to my higher self. Like they, they live in the same realm together, but he's like a trickster spirit. And I, I just don't trust him because I've had enough experiences with him to just know he's not trustworthy. So he showed up and he was like, you're taking life too seriously. And I was like, yeah, whatever. I, I don't care. So He took me to this realm that is all fun all the time. It looked like a psychedelic realm. Everything was in glowing neon everything. There were these weird creatures. There were pink elephants. I mean, it was like literally something straight out of Fantasia. You know, like it was so weird. And it was so outside of anything I'd ever seen while I was astral traveling that I thought, all right, what is this? And then he took me over to this pond uh, and I looked in the pond and he goes, Um, you're about to find out why all work and no play isn't the right way to go and literally kicked me into the pond. And I fell through this pond and ended up in another kind of mirror world, but it was like a nightmare world where there was just nobody there at all. Like, and I I shouldn't say nightmare because it wasn't scary. It just was so gray. Everything was just had all of the joy and color sucked out of it. And there was this weird creature who kind of looked a little bit like, like a, I don't even want to say a goblin, like a, you know, I want to say dwarf, but not in like a, like a humanoid way, like in the fantasy kind of dwarf, whatever. And he looked at me and he goes, a human, what are you doing here? He said, where are you from? And I said, I'm from earth. And he goes, where is earth? And I said, Midgard. And he goes, oh yeah, you're human. What are you doing here? And I said, I don't know. I got kicked through the world that I was in with this guide. And now I ended up in this weird realm. And I I don't really know what I'm doing here. And I said, is there anybody else in this realm with you? And he goes, no. And he just seems so melancholy and so just like dejected. And so I asked him, I was like, are you okay? Why are you the way that you are? And he said, I just wanted peace. That's all I wanted. I didn't want any chaos. And so I came here and I said, okay, well, are you happy here? And he goes, eh, at least it's not chaos. And I got sucked right back into my body. Like I had a very quick exit out of that realm back into my body. And I came through and that guide came back into my head and was talking to me and said, with no chaos, there is no joy. So while you want this peaceful, nothing life, you'll become so boring and and disengaged from everything that you'll just lose your love for life. So like, I need you to understand that chaos has a purpose too. And I thought, all right, well, thanks for that lesson. I I, kind of get that now. But I didn't really learn that lesson until probably about six months later when I got into a very high frequency and stayed there for a month and just found myself kind of bored. It was so peaceful that I was looking forward to the chaos coming back. 
you know, you'll see that in what I call like some of like the toxic woo world where people will be like, you have to be happy all the time. And uh, I mean, that just seems it's spiritual bypassing, spiritual bypassing. Yeah. And you're not processing your feelings. You're not getting signals. Like I want to feel unhappy or mad if something is wrong for me. I want to keep my signals so I know what's right for me. And bad feelings means it's a signal that something's wrong. I don't want to feel no physical pain if I touch a hot stove and then destroy my hand. That's what we're down here for. That's that's what drives me so crazy. If we were meant to have this woo-woo, spiritual, love and light 24-7, like that's where we come from. You chose to come down here. Your soul chose to come down here to have a human experience. And let's be honest, the human experience is suffering. Like the Buddhists got that right. Suffering. You can have both. Right. But without the suffering, you don't get to feel that exaltation and that joy. You have to have the perspective of either side in order to appreciate them. So like one without the other just becomes misery, even if you're in that high vibe woo woo thing 24 seven. So I'm totally with you on that. And I just think not feeling bad when things are wrong, that prevents you from getting signals if you're in the wrong relationship or, you know, motivates you. Like if you're single and you're lonely instead of just like, oh, I'm single and totally happy with it. But, you know, I'd rather have that kick in the ass to know this isn't right for me and I need to push myself to go date or, you know, I'm on, I don't feel good with this person or this job. I'm not happy. And, you know, it it prevents you from lying to yourself. Well, the other thing is it it prevents you from healing. It really does. So because that's that's my main focus, right? I'm all about the healing. So when you spiritually bypass and you use meditation and breath work and and yoga and all of those practices to basically repress all of your emotions and say, I'm not angry. I'm happy. I'll just keep telling myself I'm happy over and over again. And then I'll just be happy. I'm magical. So I'll just, I'll just keep saying I'm magical and then I'll be magical. That's not how this works. You're down here to understand yourself. And if you are not willing to meet yourself on the level of your emotions and feel them, you're, you're putting on a totally false mask. And then you're not living authentically at all because you're living in some version of yourself that you think you're supposed to be living in. And I see that a lot on Instagram where people show that this spiritual awakening is this beautiful, you know, pastel tone, you know, (laughs) journey of beauty. And while, yes, there is a lot of beauty in, in the spiritual path, there is so much darkness. There's so much darkness because you have to get down and go, I'm feeling angry That means that some boundary of mine is being pushed. Where is that boundary that's being pushed? Has it been pushed my entire life? Am I feeling rage because I haven't addressed this for my entire life? Because the one thing I've learned is when you have a feeling come up, it's not that feeling isn't just attached to that one thing that you're feeling in that moment. It's it's attached to like 20 other times in your lifetime where you had that exact same experience manifest in some, you know, alternate form. So if every time someone goes, shh, you freak out and and you go from zero to 60 because you're you're pissed off about it, you really need to dig into why did that piss me off so much? Well, it was disrespect. Okay. Well, as it turns out, my entire family disrespected me my entire childhood. That's why that triggers me so badly. So when you're repressing those responses and going, no, 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 I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. You don't actually get to question any of that stuff and you're not self-aware at all. <laughs> It's just, it's damaging. It's why I don't like woo-woo stuff, to be honest with you, is because that was all the stuff I was exposed to. If you say affirmations, then you'll be it. You'll say, I'm powerful, and then I'm powerful. Like, no, it doesn't fucking work that way. 
you'll dilute yourself into thinking that for a little bit, but it's not going to make any real changes. I agree. I notice when I'm doing things and accomplishing things that make me feel happy or powerful or I have some people I've met or a situation that genuinely brings me joy. I don't need to push myself to feel grateful. I don't need to tell myself I feel powerful. I feel powerful while I'm doing that thing. So I think it's about doing and accomplishing and finding love and doing what you enjoy. And you don't have to almost like gaslight yourself. Do you know what I mean? That, that is what it is. It's 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 repression. It, it, it cracks me up because a lot of these people will be like, well, I used to be spiritual, but now I'm not because it was a bunch of horseshit. I'm like, but what did you do? Like, did you just repeat affirmations and try and manifest things by writing it down 300 times in one day? Like, what did you do? And what I end up hearing from almost every single person is that they weren't being authentic. They were repressing it. They were repressing their anger. They were repressing their negative feelings. And then it hit them like a, a load of bricks because they were forcing themselves to feel gratitude. Now, there, I'm not saying that there isn't some power to restructuring your viewpoint when you're in certain frequencies. When you're in a very low frequency where you just can't find anything to be grateful for, forcing yourself to sit down and look at all of the things you have in your life to be grateful for is helpful because it it helps to go, I'm I'm stuck in this one perspective and I need to understand there's another side of this perspective here. But again, it's the same thing of like, if you're always in the high vibe perspective, you're not paying attention to that low vibe. And this whole existence is about duality and balance. So if you're not going through your developmental path, your your journey to self path, your healing path, your spiritual path, whatever the hell you want to call it, if you're not going through that with balance, you're not going to get the results that you want. Yeah, we're talking about the gratitude that it's like, one is giving yourself hope when you're in a bad place. And another way can be gaslighting yourself that things are good when you should really be getting out of the situation or making a change. Right. Right. Are you just ignoring all the negative stuff in your world or or are you saying, I am grateful for the roof over my head, the food in my stomach, like the things that I genuinely am grateful for. I'm grateful for those things. Okay. So my world isn't all bad. Because that is like a pit that a lot of people get stuck in, especially in those low those low frequencies like depression or anxiety or apathy, you know. But honestly, I find even with people who are apathetic or, or depressed, even if you can just push them into the frequency of anger, that's an improvement. At least they're feeling something. I think anger sometimes is a good feeling. It's about sticking up for yourself. It's empowering. Yeah. And realizing like your self-worth, this shouldn't have happened to me. This shouldn't be happening to me. It's... I think a healthy reaction against an injustice and wanting to stick up for yourself instead of just sort of passively accepting a type of mistreatment. Absolutely. Literally all of our feelings have a purpose. So you shouldn't repress any of them. Good, bad, ugly, any of them. You should ask yourself if you start getting really uncomfortable, you should ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? And honestly answer yourself and don't think you need to answer it immediately. Really sit with it and go, am I feeling uncomfortable because everything is actually wrong in my life? Or did I really just let a couple bad days make me feel like it's the end of the world? Because those are the kind of reframing things I, I find to be helpful for people. And it's really just getting honest with yourself. That's it. I'm going to back up and ask you a few questions about astral travel. Does it feel different than when you're really, if you really had dove into a pond or if you really had walked into a room do you smell taste touch feel what is it like versus reality so no no, nothing's as tangible uh it's 
you know, honestly, it, it how do I explain this? It, it almost feels like it does when you're dreaming. The only difference is you're fully conscious of it and you can't change the environment around you. So a lot of people confuse dreaming for astral travel. I, I hear like a lot of people be like, oh, yeah, I fell asleep and I astral traveled last night. And I'm like, did you or did you just have a really vivid dream? Because they do. They feel very similar. So it's kind of like when you're in a really vivid dream. Uh, the only difference is, is that in a dream, you can walk over to a chair and be like, I want that chair to be pink and touch it. And it turns pink, right? When you're astral traveling, those things are the way that they are, just like things in our reality are the way that they are. The other thing is when you're astral traveling, you will never see other people that you know unless they are also astral traveling. So if you think you're astral traveling, but you're seeing a bunch of people that you know, you're not astral traveling unless they're all literally like laying next to you astral traveling with you. Have you ever astral traveled with a person and both of you verified it? Um. So this is odd. I I had a medium, like not a medium. He's, I don't know what he is. I had a reading from a psychic. I'll just leave it at that. Um, and he was kind of combative with me because I, I don't know why. I guess he was expecting like some fanfare out of me and he just didn't get it because I was like, I'm also a psychic. Like that's not a big deal to me. <laughs> it's cool. Don't get me wrong. And and there are some psychics that absolutely blow my mind. I, I literally just had one on my podcast who I, I love, but I went to this guy for a reading and he was kind of combative and I kind of left the reading feeling like, God, what the fuck was wrong with that guy? Man, his ego is dysfunctional. And then I was astral traveling and I ran into him in the astral travel, the astral realm, the one that I go into to then have access to other realms, if that makes any sense. So I ran into him there and he pulled me aside and he said, Hey, I'm, I'm so sorry. I didn't realize what you were. And I, I just wanted to let you know, like, I didn't mean any disrespect. And I thought, wow, my ego is like really doing a number on my astral traveling right now. That's pretty weird. So then three or four days later, he went live on Instagram again. And I kind of hopped into his live and he brought me up on the screen and was like, I, she's like incredible. This woman is so like, you have no idea what this woman is. And like, it was a totally different experience with him. It was very similar to the one that I had had with him in the astral realm. And so I asked him, I said, hey, were you astral traveling last night? And he goes, yeah, that was me. That one blew my mind, too, because I was like, I didn't even know that was possible. Holy fuck. That's amazing. Yeah. So I've had a, a couple of those experiences where I've run into other humans when I've been doing that. But that was the first one where I ran into somebody I knew. And I don't really think I ran into him. I think he came and found me because he was like, I really screwed that up, you know? <laughs> And we're all humans. We all make mistakes. You know, we sometimes Every day. don't handle things the best we could have or the kindest. And I, I have admiration for people who might do something unkind or something not so great and then take a real responsibility for it. Oh, me too. There is nothing that makes my heart swell bigger than like someone who's taken self-accountability. Like I, I, even if it's somebody I don't necessarily like and they've taken self-accountability for something, I feel this deep proud moment for them because it's so hard for people to humble themselves. I agree. And if you can live a life as a humble person, I think that's, that's just an amazing goal for all of us. It is. You know? I still want to make my millions. Like I'm <laughs> not backing up what I said about wanting money, but I also think me too. Me too. There's still a part of me that's like, if I had so much money, do you know how many dogs I would rescue with that money? Like, that's what I've been telling my my guides. I'm like, you guys need to give me money because I'll do more good in the world with it. And I, I can't do that if I don't have a whole bunch of money. And they like, they laugh at me, right? Because they're like, we know that your intentions are good on this, but no, you still are not going to win the lottery. <laughs> 
I, I rescue animals too. I would do a lot of animal rescue, do things for myself, but I would do a lot of good too. Well, if I ever win the lottery, I will set you up for an animal rescue. How about that? Have you ever astral traveled and spoken with someone who's passed away? Yes. So I regularly go into several of the different, I call it underworlds, but it's basically like a holding place or a purgatory or whatever you want to call it and go visit my dead loved ones. So I go see my dad fairly regularly. He's who ended up with all of my dogs. (laughs) My, um, my grandmother is in a different underworld with uh, her husband and a friend of hers named Moira, who I didn't know before meeting her in the astral realm, but they're always hanging out. You know, our, our loved ones, I do go see them and our loved ones do still live pretty rich lives. Like my dad, you know, there's nothing that my dad loved more than sweet tea and, and marijuana. I'll be honest with you. Like those were, those were his jam. So the first time I went to go see him, he was sitting in a, in a beautiful garden with mountains in the background smoking pot and sipping you know sweet tea and um he he very literally was like how did you get here and I was like I don't know like I don't know how I got here my guides brought me here because I told them that I was missing you you know and so they they will they'll sit and chat with you and and hang out and it's always kind of fun for them when you go to visit them versus the other way around because it's just so unexpected and so not normal for them have you ever asked your dad or someone to verify? Because I'm always asking for my dad, come to me in a dream or I want to visit and tell me something mom knows that my mom knows that I wouldn't know that I could tell her. And it hasn't happened yet, but that's what I want. Or like I miss my mentor and one of my closest friend, but much older, like really a mentor to me passed recently, fairly recently. Oh, and I'm sorry. always trying. Thank you. I appreciate that. It's been hard because she was like the rock that helped me the most after the loss of my dad. And I always try to say to either her or my dad, tell me something that I wouldn't know that someone else in your life that I'm close with would know and verify it hasn't happened yet, but that's what I'm trying to do. So I'm going to give you maybe a little different way of framing that that might be easier for them to execute on. Ask for a specific sign. They really like to communicate a lot through nature. I I know that that sounds kind of odd, but let's say that you don't see bluebirds a lot or you don't see cardinals a lot or squirrels or whatever it is that you you don't see a whole lot. It, 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 It varies from spirit to spirit, which is kind of infuriating. Uh, but a lot of times they'll use like feathers or coins. My my husband's grandmother uh, sends dimes, apparently. I, I didn't know that, but she sends coins. And some other people that I've read for, they're, uh, they send bluebirds or cardinals or they send feathers or they send, you know, very specific things. So I tend to ask for signs or evidence that are are things that I don't see normally, right? So like a bald eagle or a rainbow or... <laughs> Things that are not, they don't just show up normally where you are. I find that they not only will communicate that way, but they'll send you multiples of them so that you don't miss it. I'm kind of in the middle of a sign week with my friend right now. And I'm like, send me more. I'm like waiting for the last bits of it that I've asked for. So I'm like, because and then I'm also planning to put it up into a journal and send it to a statistician who works in parapsychology and see if I can pay her to analyze the probabilities of if these are signs. Because I know my medium friends will tell me they are, but I'm going to be like, no, I I want the statistician to analyze the probabilities. So that I'm kind of glad, though, that you do that because (laughs) I have had a few people who have like come to me with like, 
I had all of these signs and then they're not very specific ones or they're ones that I'm like, spirit can speak to you in like any way, shape or form. Why would they choose that? You know, like the angel numbers thing is like a big one for me that people will be like, I saw an angel number. It means I'm going to win the lottery. And I'm like, okay. Or I I keep seeing the number 22 and I'm like, right. But that literally like happens on the clock every hour. So that's not actually like a unique thing to happen. You know, the other way that they really like to communicate through is songs. So you can ask for a specific song. Hey, if you're here and you can hear me or if I saw you in a dream or whatever, can you please send me this specific song and then give them a couple of days because it doesn't always verify immediately. I have had some crazy visions that like I was like, I don't know. I don't know if that was a thing or not. And then they literally came true like a year or two later. Like I knew Mo and Aloha was going to erupt this year. I, I thought it was going to erupt before that, but I knew it was going to erupt and that hadn't erupted since they, like the 80s. But I saw that back in 2020 and it didn't happen until this year, you know. So it sometimes it does take like a long time for things to verify, especially if they're big events. Yeah, signs. That's a big one. I know. I've been that was something I learned about really early on. I've gotten some batshit signs that I wrote in my book and I'm hoping to get my week of signs with my friend completed. You will. Well, there's part two of it that I've asked her for, so I'm it's been good so far, but I'm so scientific that I'm like, okay, I need part two and three that I've asked for. <laughs> and it hasn't happened yet. So let's let's get on it. I totally get it. When I ask for proof, I'm like, okay, that was nice and, and nice and all, but like, I need like five more signs to confirm that. Just because I don't want to leave anything up to chance. I, because we're so analytical and like, I don't know about you, but I just don't want to go down that path of delusion. And that is a big landmine on anything spiritual because there are a lot of people who get really caught in that trap. I agree. And also to me, I know people in parapsychology get irritated with this line, but I stand by it. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. And to claim that consciousness is not created by a brain and continues without it and can interact with this realm to me is an astronomically extraordinary claim. And I've gotten astronomical evidence at this point. Nevertheless, it's such an astronomical claim. I want this evidence to keep coming in. Have you been around people when they're dying? Because that was like really what kind of like sold me on, on that. I mean, my dad, but I didn't believe any of it then. And then when my mentor and dear friend was dying, it was over um, quarantine. So I couldn't go see her. Oh, that's horrible. I'm sorry. I had kind of something similar happen with my grandmother. She had a stroke um, in the end of 2020 that was really bad and hospitalized her and they wouldn't let anyone in to go see her. And my husband and I threaded the needle just right on getting to her hospice care place that did allow visitors like right before she died. She died literally like an hour after we left Vegas. But one of the things that at that point, I was already kind of aware of this. And so her leaving, I, you know, but that was another one of those things that actually like was proof for him because <laughs> we went to dinner with my uncle the night before. And I told him in no uncertain terms, like, you need to go spend time with her tomorrow. Like she is exiting. And so that's kind of part of what convinced me of there's a spirit that leaves the body is that every time I've been around someone and they've been very close to death, which happens a lot to me because for some reason people cozy up to me right before death a lot. That's happened a lot in the last 10 years for me, <laughs> but they all kind of go through this weird thing of where they 
are kind of in this realm and then leave and then come back. So they start looking almost like they're hallucinating. And it usually kind of presents as like a fear response where they're like, they kind of zone off and then they're like, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. And so I've experienced that with so many people over the years of that, them seeing things or hearing things or acknowledging things that we can't see in the room that for me, if, if spirit wasn't a thing, there's what is that like they're all just hallucinating right before death like is that what the brain does but there's no scientific proof of that either yeah my dad was talking to his mom who'd been dead for years and but I didn't believe any of this then or know about any of this so I thought he was hallucinating so you said people kind of cozy up to you when they're close to death has that only been people who knew they were dying or have you had weird experiences where someone a young person died in a car accident a week later and they happened to be hanging out with you and some abnormal weird shit happened so one of the weirder ones for me was actually like so i had met this girl on myspace or like one of the very old school social media sites but i had met her forever ago but i had never actually met her in person and she kind of out of nowhere was like i'm gonna come stay with you like during a road trip with my daughter is that okay and i talked to my husband about it and i was like I mean, I've known her for a decade, but I've not actually like known her, known her. And we weren't, we weren't really close. That's the other thing that was really weird about this. Like I didn't, I would talk to her like every like six months or something for like five minutes on messenger about some event that was happening in the world. It wasn't, they were never like these deep connective, like we're buddy kind of, she was like an acquaintance, an an acquaintance that I had known for a very long time, but never met. (laughs) So she um, was like, I'm going to come stay with you. And the day before she was supposed to show up at our house, she had a heart attack out of nowhere. She was in either her, uh, she might've been in her late twenties at that point, either late twenties or very early thirties. So she had a heart attack. One, she didn't really have like crazy health problems or anything that like would have made me think that was going to happen. And so she went through this insane two week health battle and then died. And I and I told Nick when she said, like, I'm going to come stay with you guys. I was like, something feels weird about this. This feels like one of those death things. Well, and then even back before I was even like conscious of any of this stuff, really, I had a dream about a friend of mine and I was in the coffin talking to him. So <laughs> this was not like a this was very strange. So I had this dream that I was in a coffin talking to him. And I, I said to him as he was standing over my coffin, uh, he said, I'm so sorry, but it's time for you to go. You were on borrowed time and they're saying your time is up. And he was like, yeah, I know. And so I woke up the next day and I told a friend of mine about it who was like a mutual friend. And my husband and I had, were kind of on a break during this, but I kind of shared it with him. He had had a double lung transplant. The, the guy that I saw in my dream said he had had a double lung transplant. Everything was totally fine for a few years. And then out of nowhere, he got super ill again and died like right after I had that dream within two days. Had you known he had a double lung transplant? I did know that. So that's why I just had like kind of brushed it off as like, wow, that was a really weird dream. Maybe I'm like still subconsciously like wrestling with the fact that he had a double lung transplant. But the the timing of it was so weird because the very next day he went into the hospital was was basically medically induced into a coma. And everyone was still like, oh, he's going to pull out of it. It'll all be OK. He's going to pull out of it. And then I had to go tell his wife, like, I had this dream right before he was admitted to the hospital. Like, he's not coming out of it. You need to go say goodbye. So I've had a lot of those uncomfortable type things happen throughout my entire life. I also had – this one's actually the craziest, and I can't believe I didn't tell you this before. 
So this one was weird because I, 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 this one made me feel super crazy and I think is actually part of the reason why I like pushed all this stuff down and just ignored it. So I had had a dream that the drummer from Blink-182 got into a, a plane crash like six months before he actually did. And I thought it, I literally thought it had happened. Somehow that dream or whatever it was got into my head and I was convinced that it had already happened. So I was at this party and this guy comes out onto the, the deck where I'm sitting with like a bunch of friends. And he's like, you're not going to believe this. You guys come inside. The, the drummer from Blink-182 got into this horrible plane crash. And I was like, but that happened like six months ago, man. And he goes, no, it's literally happening right now. Like it's on the fucking TV. And I was like, whatever. <laughs> like that's not, this has already happened like six months ago. Like maybe they're replaying a clip on the news or whatever. And then I went and stared at the news and it was live news and they were showing this plane crash. And I was so confused and freaked out. But I I, I already saw this. Like I knew that this happened. And so I kind of just ignored it. I thought, wow, that was really weird. Like, I don't know what that was. Maybe I, maybe I just had a weird dream and I just associated it with that. And then a couple days later, I got a call from my ex, uh, who I'm still really good friends with. And he was like, are you sitting down? And I was like, what's wrong? And he goes, Che, our mutual friend who I had also dated for like a week. I mean, it wasn't really like we had dated and realized we weren't we weren't compatible. He said that Che died in a plane crash. And I said, was it that that plane crash with Travis Barker? Like, what the hell was he doing on that plane? And he said they were friends growing up. They were childhood friends and he was doing bodyguard bodyguard work for him. And he's gone. And I totally wigged out. Yeah, I totally wigged out because I was like. Like, what the fuck just happened, you know? <laughs> so, yeah, so thanks for the plug. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, my God. That's a very apropos name because I have said what the fuck just happened so many times during all of this. And that happened when I was 18 and was going through a terrible breakup with the guy I was living with at the time. So a lot of this stuff also hit while I was going through, like, a lot of weird shit, right? So it, it the whole combination of everything is just too much sometimes. <laughs> Is there anything I haven't asked you that you want to add or talk about? Uh, really, I just want to talk to anyone who is listening to this podcast, who is maybe going through a spiritual awakening. You're not crazy. Okay. Test it. Ask for proof. If it is real, you will get proof. Whoever is controlling all of this, the sentient energy that is in, embedded into everything will give you proof of it if you ask for it. Okay. So if you are really freaking out like I did and thinking that you're schizophrenic or thinking that you're going through spiritual psychosis, ask for very specific proof, stuff that is so specific that there's no way you can logic it away. That's how you get through the other side of that. Because for me, that was terrifying. Have you ever thought to work with the police or FBI finding missing people? I have. Very early on in the very beginning of this, I actually had someone whose murder was unsolved come to me and tell me where her body was. And at the time, I still didn't really believe in any of this stuff, but I kind of narrowed it down and I had given it to somebody else to give to a police department. And I don't know if that actually happened or not. But I'm not real interested in dealing with the negative energy and all of the trauma that is attached to that because I have had so much trauma in my life that like I've had enough for like many lifetimes, right? I don't have the desire to do that. And I feel like there are mediums that really would probably enjoy that. Like it's it's something that's very aligned with their purpose. 
my purpose and the reason I have these abilities is to help people heal. That really is it. I'm, I'm here to help people not suffer so much. So for me, I felt like, okay, well, maybe that might fit in for the family members. But again, there are so many mediums that have access to that kind of stuff that are interested in true crime, that are interested in that kind of stuff that I feel like I probably wouldn't be the best fit for that. I get, I get, I, <laughs> I get freaked out. I'm not going to lie. So there's a psychic medium show on Amazon. Have you ever watched that? No. What is, I probably should. Oh, you definitely should. This one I actually think might might be legit, or at least the episode I watched, uh, they were legit. So it's called Sensing Murder, I, I think is what it's called. It's out of New Zealand. But my uncle had told me to watch it because he was like, I was trying to figure out, like, what the hell do I do with these abilities? Like, obviously, I was given this for a reason. Like, what am I supposed to do? And he was like, well, watch the show and see if maybe, like, that speaks to you or whatever. So I was watching the show and all of a sudden the spirit of the victim came and sat down on our couch next to me (laughs) and hung out for the whole hour that we were watching this and was chiming in with her own narrative of, yeah, that's right. That is not right. What they just said is not right at all. And so she gave me all these details and I started telling my husband, like I started essentially like channeling for him. And telling him what she was saying. And then later on in the show, all of the details she gave me were then verified by those other psychics and uh, the cop that was working on it and whatever. And so after she left, I was like, wow, I'm not watching that or true crime anymore. Like, no, thank you. It was just so intrusive because I, for whatever reason, and maybe I need to learn better boundaries or whatever, but I do get random spirits that just come talk sometimes. Like they see me as a bright light in the astral realm and they just come to check it out and see what's going on. Oh my God. I think I would love if that happened to me. <laughs> it was pretty mind blowing. I, I was really freaked out at first. I was like, what do you mean this is you? And she's like, it's me. That's me. That's my murder they're talking about. And I was like, holy shit. And then it was kind of funny because she didn't actually like the detective and she was like, oh, this guy's an asshole. Just like the guys who were supposed to be looking into my murder in the first place. None of them care. They all think I was a trollop. And I was like, oh my God. <laughs> like, And then it kind of went through that the police were not very kind to her. That's really sad. It is. It's super sad. She she seemed cool with it. I don't think she was really, but she did bring up like my sister's still really struggling. She's never going to heal from this. And her sister came on later in the show and you could tell she was just so messed up. And so those are the ones that I, I reach out to sometimes and will we'll ask like if I know someone's really struggling with grief, I'll say, hey, do you, are you open to a mediumship reading? If I help you get in touch with your loved one, is that going to help you? You know, and some people say no, and I'm like, fair enough. Like, <laughs> But it was a game changer for me and my grief, right, and understanding that death isn't really a death. It's just a transition into another realm. That, for me, made the loss sting a lot less. It's the only thing that's gotten me through the loss of my dad. It transformed my life. I just – I don't – I I can't imagine how I would have gotten through that loss without discovering all of this. Right? When you're doing good work, though, like, so all of that happened, like, his legacy – is now kind of being built through you. And then you're leaving this legacy of like helping people to understand that there's more to this. And that is really mostly the purpose in this, right? And you're putting it through a very accessible, very intellectual, uh, non-woo-woo viewpoint. And I know that for people like me, I I probably needed your podcast for most of my life and just, (laughs) it didn't exist back then, you know? Oh, thank you. That means a lot. And having someone who 
is a medium who approaches it so logically and demanding evidence to me that that's the only thing when I found the evidence-based mediums, that's the only thing that got me out of bed combined with the research of, you know, Dr. Julie Beischel and division of perceptual studies and all of that. Stay tuned until the end because we will play the recording of the phone call that Emery talked about in the beginning of the podcast. Hey, everyone. I'm really excited to let you know about the science and spirituality salons I'm now hosting. During these intimate events, a scientifically verified psychic medium will give all of you readings and I will give a talk on the science and evidence that changed my mind about an afterlife. So will also be an amazing opportunity to get to meet some of you in person or virtually and to share more about all the science and data that transformed my worldview and got me through my worst days. These can be hosted in your home, in a nearby cafe with a private room, or they can even be virtual. I've hosted a few already, and they were really special. Fascinating, emotional, evidential. So if you're interested in getting a small group together over dinner, brunch, drinks, coffee, to learn more about the science and to get evidential medium readings, send me an email at hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put science and spirituality in the title. Approximately 185,000 murder cases went unsolved from 1980 to 2019. On average, 66% of homicides are solved each year. So what about the other 34%? Alarmingly, the number of murder cases that went unsolved by police hit a new high in 2020, resulting in only 50% of cases being solved, leaving far too many families with no answers, no resolution, no closure. That's why we investigate and report on unsolved cases to spread the word in hopes of helping families who are searching for answers. We don't sleep, we're just actively looking for her. These girls were alive, they were living, breathing people. They weren't a picture in the media. There was a a body found in a truck recently. None of us know anything about that body. Who, Who was it? What happened? What could have happened? Who could have been involved? There's no answer. And, and it's just horrible. A true crime series investigating mysterious unsolved cases. Real people, real stories, real crimes. Tune into Speaking of Crime with your hosts, Gia and John. Available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever else you listen to podcasts. We are at Speaking of Crime on Instagram and Facebook and at Crime Speaking on Twitter. Now we're going to pause for a second for the question of the week. So Charlotte asks, I have a question about signs. I know in your book, you've addressed the Bader-Meinhof phenomenon, the frequency illusion, which means as soon as you think of something, you start to see it everywhere. 
how do you know it's actually a sign and you're not suddenly seeing it everywhere? How do you know you're not just noticing what you decided to be aware of? Um, yeah, I wonder that too. And I try to be careful about that. What I've noticed is when you make a sign, every time you see it, that doesn't mean it's a sign. Let's take the green feathers. I, that's a sign with my dad that I touch upon in the book. So if I go to a bird sanctuary or a fashion boutique that's known to use really exotic styles and it wouldn't be that shocking to see green feathers there, that's probably not a sign. I guess I'll give another example. So in my book, I talk about how a purple stuffed rabbit was a favorite toy amongst my dad and I. And it actually is a slightly more common thing. I disguise it a little bit because, you know, I want to keep my evidence. But so a purple stuffed rabbit was a toy we used to play with. Again, a little more common. So that wouldn't be shocking to walk into a toy store and see that. So no, my dad didn't send me a sign, but maybe he would kind of tap me on the shoulder and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, that. Remember that? Remember playing with that when you were little? He would do that in real life if he were here too. So it can kind of trigger a memory, but I wouldn't consider that a sign. Now, when I've gotten a sign, it, it's much more unexpected. You don't see a toy in a toy store. You don't see a feather in a bird sanctuary. The green feathers that I got, I, first of all, started to get these weird meditative-y feelings. And I got very into this kind of dreamlike state. And I kept hearing the word green feather, green feather over and over again in my head, like a song stuck in my head playing in a loop. And then there were a pile of green feathers out of nowhere after I came back from a vacation sitting in the middle of my bedroom. Now that's really weird. If signs exist, that is 100% a sign. But again, suddenly going to a costume store and seeing green feathers, no, I wouldn't consider that a sign. So it's how unexpected is it in that situation? If you have a question you want me to answer, send it to hello at wtfjusthappened.net and put question of the week in the subject. I know I usually say first names, but if you want to be completely anonymous, let me know. And feel free to reach out anyway, even if you don't have a question. I can't wait to hear your questions and hear from you. Thank you so much. So where can our listeners follow you, find you? Okay, so we're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. We're on Audible. We're on pretty much like every podcasting platform you can imagine. Um, And the name of my podcast is Air It Out, spelled E-I-R. And essentially, yeah, we just work through people's issues and hope that our listeners uh, resonate with some of the stuff that's being said and start taking a look at their own wounds and healing things. Um, and, I, and I will say one of the cool things about that is a lot of our listeners have recommended their friends and family to come on the show. So we've had multiple iterations of people come on that all know each other. So that's been kind of cool because they all compare notes and go like, man, this was so mind blowing. And, and that's always fun for me, right? Because that's evidence for me. Like if you have a whole group of people that are all saying like, I had this amazing experience, then that's evidence. And now here is the recording of the phone call that Emery kindly shared with us that she mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. Hi, Emery. This is Carol, Carol Dodds. 
um, you met um, in Twin Lakes. And what a beautiful person you are, first of all. And I, I just, I'm overwhelmed that I got. Now, I talk to my husband all the time. For him to talk to me was just, I can't even tell you what a gift that was. And uh, Harold was telling you about my friend Kimball and what a good man he was and that I should go and get him and call him, have him. He didn't go anywhere, but he ended up having a stroke. And now they're taking him to the ambulance to St. Vincent's Hospital. So somehow you were dead on about that as well. And I just can't even... I mean, it wasn't an accident that we met. And so I just wanted to call and, I mean, just... I've had so many blessings in one day, it's not even funny. And I mean, I just, I don't even know where to begin to thank you for coming into my life. I can't, I mean that with all my heart. And um, so I will uh, check up on my friend and uh, it was just absolutely overwhelming to actually be able to, to hear from my husband. You have no idea. So, um, God bless you. And I want to keep in touch with you. Not for that reason, but just because you're a beautiful person, an angel on earth. <laughs> I like to keep those on uh, as friends. <laughs> anyway, I just wanted to call and let you know that that was dead on. I mean, that was couldn't have been more accurate. And there was some reason why Harold was telling you that, and that was it. So anyway, God bless you, and I will talk to you, and I will keep you in in touch with you, my friend. And thank you very much for coming into my life. I'll talk to you soon, sweetheart. Bye. To get more information on what the fuck just happened, go to WTF justhappened.net. There you can order my book, What the Fuck Just Happened? A Sciency Skeptic Explores Grief, Healing, and Evidence of an Afterlife. And you can learn all about how I came to conclude that there most likely is an afterlife. You can also learn about the early stages of my grief and the amazing, fascinating people I met along the way. You can also read about how much I harassed them trying to get evidence, see if they were cheating, and see if they were sane. There, you can subscribe to our newsletter. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. It makes such a difference, especially for a new podcast like this one. And if any of you have had a crazy what the fuck yourself, have any questions, feedback, or just want to say hi, reach out on either Instagram at WTF underscore just underscore happened underscore, or email me at hello at WTF just happened.net. And remember, you don't have to draw any final conclusions as you wonder what the fuck just happened.